Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglives.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. This is Thursday, November 1st, 2018. Happy Halloween or day after. In the courts, every day is Halloween when it comes to foreclosures. Actors put on masks, pretenders, and strut around as though they were on the side of justice, scaring the hell out of homeowners, and making it clear that the actors, the pretenders, are out for one thing only, the foreclosure sale of your home whether it is right or not, whether it is legal or not. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I said that the base baseline of foreclosure is the presumption of facts that are not true. If you are listening to this show, then you should listen to that show too. The facts that are not true all arise from one thing. The creditor is missing. And this is what the big fight is always about. If the creditor was not missing, by the way, you would have seen the creditor being produced in court actions and ending all the technical and other objections of the homeowner. It would have been what they call a standard foreclosure. But the creditor is missing. Not identified, not present, not even represented at the time of foreclosure. And in truth, the proceeds of a foreclosure sale will never make it to anyone that qualifies as a creditor. Proceeds go to the servicer. They end up with the underwriter of the mortgage bonds that are issued in the name of a fictitious trust. The people who put up the money get nothing. All they've got is a promise on paper issued in effect by the underwriter under the doing business as name of the trust, which does not actually exist. This is something that the judicial system has never encountered before. And it accounts for why, in part, why judges are confused. 
it's hard to understand and even harder to believe, even for homeowners. Most homeowners think that they do owe the money and that they owe it to one of the many parties that are cooperating in the so-called enforcement of the mortgage by foreclosure. Those homeowners who think that's true are wrong. That's the whole point. And in every case where I have successfully made that point and where homeowners have made that point and where other lawyers have made that point, they won. But you don't hear about that. I'll tell you about that in a minute. It turns out that in most cases, none of it is true. Not even the debt. Now that sounds crazy, I know. But when you get up to the level of sophistication of Wall Street banks, anything is possible, including creating a situation where the debt that appeared to be present at the closing of the loan, at the origination of the loan, that debt ends up going into cyberspace. And as I explained in 2008 to a jam-packed audience of about 200 lawyers uh, in Santa Monica, this is like putting a bunch of fruit into a blender, setting it on puree, and the problem the banks have is that they can't get the banana out whole. They can't reconstruct the banana. They can't reconstruct the lemon. They can't reconstruct anything because it's gone. It's a new thing. And that new thing is not recognized by law, nor should it be, because it was a vehicle for theft. So... The, since they don't own the debt and they have no bu business possessing a quasi-original copy of the note, they ought to be thrown out of court. But that's where the size of institutions and their very deep pockets come into play. If a homeowner were to come, to, come into court and say, take my word for it, the judge would tell them that is not evidence, it's not proof. But if somebody has the word bank in their name and they say, take my word for it, the judge is going to assume that the bank knows what it is doing. It's an institution. The lawyer for the bank wouldn't appear without an obvious claim and that all assertions and allegations and arguments of the bank are probably true. So... Of course, the lawyer is appearing not for the bank, but for the servicer who's not a party to the action, and not for the trust. And this gets muddled uh, in most court actions because if it ever comes out, it's usually not until 
the very end that the lawyers had no contact with U.S. Bank as trustee for the Seawalk Trust or whatever. The, without the legal presumptions, there's no case. Forced to prove their case without presumptions or forced to answer the homeowner's questions about whether the debt exists or was purchased by anyone, the response is almost always a settlement under seal of confidentiality. Why? Because they know they have no case and that they would lose if they had to prove a case with real evidence, which they don't have, instead of false presumptions of fact and law. Tonight, we talk about how homeowners can win a foreclosure case and how they can lose. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida, and this show is brought to you by Living Lies, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, Amgar, and the Garfield Firm. And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not contributors, we ask that you hit the donate button on the blog or call 954-451-1230 or 202-838-6345 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. If this show has value for you, if the blog has value for you, if our work that we publish on the blog has value for you. We do that without payment or other support. If that has value to you, then we need you to chip in. Please do. Make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. Somebody asked me this week if foreclosure defense is on life support. My answer is always the same. You, you are only hearing about foreclosures, evictions, and sheriffs at the door. You are not hearing about all the cases where the pretender lenders dropped the case, paid damages, gave back the mortgage deed, or offered a modification that was as much as a 90% deduction from the claim principal. All those things happen and continue to happen. And I was part of many of them, but certainly not most. There are plenty of good lawyers out there who got these results. You don't hear about it because all those cases, every one of them have been settled under seal of confidentiality. Nobody can talk about it without endangering the title of a homeowner's house, so they don't. Sure, there's a question of whether that provision is enforceable, but it's just a question. So we have a possibility that it will be enforced. And given the bias in the courts, maybe judges would find a way to enforce it. Ask and people will say they can't talk about it. So don't talk to me about how grim the news is. The news doesn't carry information about where, when, and how homeowners are winning cases because that information does not get out and can't be collected by the news or the media. 
the homeowner usually spends most of their time and money collecting facts and getting snippets of analysis off the Internet. The homeowner, hopefully not the lawyer, thinks that getting these facts is enough to just to beat the foreclosing party, which is actually not present in court. Although one is named, it's a, it's a fictitious name for one of the big bank uh, uh, underwriters. Often, neither they nor their lawyers spend any quality time on presentation. Presentation means that you're able to show by objections, cross-examination, and perhaps evidence of your own. You're certainly going to have trouble getting that evidence in discovery because if they give it to you, they may as well give up the case. Um, it's revealing the inconsistencies, the lies, and uh, uh, misrepresentations, misleading things, that are inherent in every one of these illegal cases. In order to do that, you've got to find a way to be persuasive about it. You've got to elicit admissions from the witness who's on the stand that you're cross-examining. So what happens in, in a failure to prepare for trial is that the foreclosure defense is what I call a yes-but defense. As soon as you say yes, you're buried. The answer is actually no, and that's hard to wrap your mind around. The but that you think is going to be so compelling means nothing. Once you have allowed the uh, illusion that this is a standard foreclosure, you signed the document, you didn't pay, etc. The but doesn't mean anything about, well, they had these conflicting assignments and the endorsements or this way and that. Most judges will find a way, if you're admitting the essential part of the case, they will find a way to simply rule for the foreclosing party. And that's how the case ends up on life support. Saying yes to any of the loan documents at origination or afterward essentially ends the case. And expecting an appellate court to overrule that is kind of like buying a ticket to the lottery. It's very unlikely. Keep in mind on appeals, by the way, that one in six appeals on average are successful. In that one, the 15%, 16%, most of those are criminal appeals where the law is applied strictly. So if you take it as being two-thirds to 80% are criminal, then you only have 
at best, uh, three to five percent of all appeals from civil actions being successful. Out of those, uh, at times maybe it's been half, but it's less than half um, uh, of successful appeals and foreclosure actions. So I have to say that there's about a 2% chance that an appeal is going to produce a contrary result to what, to a judgment of foreclosure that's been entered against you. Those odds are 50 to 1. You need to win at trial, not think that just getting it into the record and going up on appeal is going to be some magic bullet. Saying no in a denial or denial of any memory of the document forces the foreclosing party to actually prove the document is real without you authenticating it. Generally, they can't do that, but this is just an example. The fact is most homeowners have no recollection of what the documents looked like or what they signed. That's what they should say in court. I don't remember. If that's, if that's the case, if they do remember, then they have to speak the truth. But most homeowners are looking back 5, 10, 15, even 20 years. They don't remember what they signed. They don't know what the documents look like. They have nothing but general recall that they must have signed a note and mortgage, and they have no idea whether the note and mortgage that is presented in court is the same thing as what they might have signed. That's just a minor example of what I'm talking about. But if that's the case, why give the gift to the foreclosing party of saying, yeah, that's my signature, that's the document I signed at closing, if you have no idea that that is the case? That makes no sense to me. The homeowner can get off of life support and put the banks on their heels only by knowing and believing that the foreclosing parties either don't exist and or don't own the loan, debt, note, or mortgage. Knowing and then acting on that knowledge is the key to a successful foreclosure defense. Under intense scrutiny, the case for foreclosure generally is sufficiently undermined to make it impossible for a judge to rule in favor of the foreclosure sale. The trick is getting into that area where it's under intense scrutiny. That's where presentation and the act of persuasion is paramount. Without that, you won't get there. Yes, you have bias, but bias can be overcome, and it is every day. Frequently, it is overcome when inconsistencies get piled up and are revealed in a persuasive manner that makes the judge very uncomfortable, in this case, to rule based on his or her bias. But in a very real sense, all foreclosure cases are on life support for both sides. That applies to both sides. The foreclosers 
know they are pursuing a foreclosure illegally and are busy covering it up. The homeowners know it's illegal but lack the resources and sometimes the commitment and courage to go to the end of the road where most settlements happen. In all cases, you need to do the proper investigation, analysis, and research. But the key component is persuasive presentation. In the case of bank versus homeowner, if the bank wins, it does it on persuasive presentation and control of the news and in court control of the narrative. I've mentioned that many times before. A lot of people don't get it. You lose control of the narrative, you've lost the case. The judge must be constantly aware of the defense narrative even as the offense narrative is being presented. You can only do that through well-founded objections and appropriate cross-examination of witnesses. If the banks lose, it's because their flimsy house of cards could not withstand follow-up questions on cross-examination and could not be proven without getting the judge to presume that proof was unnecessary. Now, get that. If you're cross-examining lawyers, the biggest mistake that all trial lawyers make is they fail to follow up, to ask follow-up questions on the answer to their previous question. So when the witness says, I am familiar with these records, the appropriate follow-up question is, how are you familiar? Well, I saw this. Yeah, what did you see? What did you hear specifically? That's when they fall apart. This script doesn't cover that. So banks start off with a case that cannot be won if all the facts were known and existing applicable law was used. That's why they love non-judicial states and even in judicial states where they can rely on presumptions of fact that fuel the judge's existing bias. Let's do it by sending in lawyers with carefully worded scripts to give the impression that, that this is, quote, a standard foreclosure for non-payment of a debt, end quote. They have memorandums of law, cases. They rarely cite the statutes, by the way that create the illusion that A, the foreclosure is inevitable, and B, the homeowner is trying to buy time or get some undeserved leverage. And they argue the myth of the free house so many times that judges, all of them, hear it every day, and eventually, if they don't believe it, they come to suspect that that might be true. The homeowner usually spends all their time and money collecting facts and getting snippets of analysis off the Internet. These facts are not witnesses. You need witnesses to put on those facts. Otherwise, there's no foundation. And the witnesses that can put on those facts are obviously the authors 
of the information or some expert who uses that information and can corroborate it. The homeowners can get off of life support by knowing that they have the upper hand if all the facts are known. That builds confidence, which is what is required by the homeowner and the foreclosure defense attorney. Here's how you lose conspiracy theories, sovereign citizens, various things that somebody said on the Internet that look like a silver bullet. None of that stuff works. And it turns off the judge. It makes him, makes him think that you're silly. A disorganized presentation leaving the judge guessing what you mean. One of the mistakes that trial lawyers make, and certainly pro se litigants, is they give the presentation, they make they ask the questions, they make the objections, but they still leave an like a cloud expecting the judge to put it together because they haven't. In your closing argument, you should be able to put it all together, but it should already be together in the judge's mind. Default. I don't mean just default as to the, uh, uh, you get sued in foreclosure, you don't answer. There are court orders, trial orders, that say parties will exchange their exhibits by such and such a date. Any objections shall be filed by another date. If you don't file your objections, even by agreement between counsel, the judge is going to disallow your objection and allow the document into evidence. That doesn't mean he's going to be convinced by it or he's going to give it any weight, but it'll be in the basket of evidence. So failure to do things like do a motion to compel when they don't answer discovery is a big reason why homeowners lose. Failure to follow a court order, failure to file motions, like motions to compel, motions for summary judgment, and motions for sanctions when the opposition fails to follow a court order or rules of civil procedure, especially when it comes to mediation, because they don't send anybody with authority or even knowledge. They send people to say, here's our offer. You can apply for a modification. We won't tell you what the terms might be, nothing. They have no authority. I've attacked that aggressively before, and it produces results. Failure to object, obviously, I've covered, and failure to follow up on cross-examination, and the big one. Failure to know and understand the case against you. Given the fact that bias exists, you need to be extra vigilant. 
That means don't admit anything you do not know for sure is a fact. If you don't know for sure, then say, I don't know. This takes training by the lawyer for the homeowner and for the homeowner who is on the stand to understand that just because he thinks he probably did it, if he doesn't remember it, then his answer should be, I don't remember it. Timely objections are critical. Objections may be perfectly well-founded and well-thought-out and well-presented. If they don't occur at the time that they should, the objection will be overruled. So that's my story about winning and losing in foreclosure defense cases. Those of you who are listening have an opportunity to use this guidance in order to prevail in a foreclosure case against any homeowner. Thank you and good night. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony, and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity.